Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hello everyone, it is the Red Men podcast. I am Paul Machin. Oh, away from me over on the far side on the left wing, is it? Uh Mr. Chris Pajak. Very much on the left wing. Uh, Ross from Southport, very much leaning towards the centre. And that puts me on the right, that's really upset. <laughs> from my view, it's left. Um, right, so, uh, yeah, look, we, we, doubtless there'll be uh, some politics that creeps into this, so be forewarned. It's not, don't take offence. Just, I mean, or do, whatever. Um, right, the uh, kickoff question comes from 1892. He says, Chris Pager, mm. Uh, never drink beer again or have to drink a pint first thing every morning. Do you really need to ask this question? <laughs> Would life just be a bit more bearable if you were forced I think to so, drink a pint actually, every yeah. morning? I'm definitely having a pint every morning and I may consider just doing it anyway. Yeah. Not for any other reason. I mean, and look, there's loads of things that you wouldn't want a pint first thing in the morning. None of them make sense to me. Um, I'm having a pint first thing. No problem. Okay. You're right getting with the bus to work then, yeah? Honestly, fine. Oh. You can have one, can't you? No. Oh, well, I won't go to work. <laughs> <laughs> I'll work from home. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> just sitting on the bus, just mildly buzzed. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't drink a lot, so I'm fine. So you would I'd never drink beer? You would just never drink beer again? Just drink something else. It's an interesting point. Yeah. You just get rid of beer to not have that. Like, I don't know. I, a pint of I'd milk. like to... Can I, can I have, like, a try to buy kind of kind of situation? Just can I try it for a, for a week or a month? By 11 o'clock in the morning... <laughs> That's great. Yeah. That's yeah. fucking great. Still not seeing any problems <laughs> to this. Um, yeah. Easiest kickoff question ever. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Thanks very much. So we've added two because it was very easy. Um, Andy, who's at Flymo68. This is very easy as well, to be fair. Mm, yeah. If you could pick one politician to be one of the rugby dummies used to train goalies for corners, who would it be? Any oh. nationality is fine. I've got a, a short list um, of obviously Boris Johnson. Yeah. Of obviously Matt Hancock. Yeah. And of obviously Michael Gove. Yeah. Um, and add some to that shortlist. You could add almost all of the... All, but for, uh, the only members of the government I wouldn't add are the ones I'd, I've never heard of because I just don't know the names to add them. I've picked another one. Chippy Tits. No, not Chippy Tits. Joe Anderson. No. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Liverpool Mayor Joe, Joe Anderson. I'm, I'm going to say it, you're both cool, yeah. Jacob Rees-Mogg. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Big, yeah. big, Agreed. big C bomb. Sorry, yeah, like I thought. Yeah. I, I mean, fallless. Well, they have them in like you can have them. Can they have them in like a row all attached together? Yeah, yeah um, I don't think it's. I don't think it's enough. To be honest, I, I, like, I, I, if, I if they were like, training rugby players yeah, much yeah, yeah, better, yeah, yeah. Like, why would you want a goalkeeper just to go near them? Yeah, go, I mean, I'd be going up with my knees to catch things, to, yeah. just to make sure, just to make sure. Yeah, or you know, a karate kick, whatever. Mm. Or testing uh, second-hand skydiving equipment. There's also a, there's also a good question is is if we then turn them into rugby dummies if we left them in charge would they do a better or worse job than the actual real know. versions currently in charge right now? They'd be two meters apart for a start. Wouldn't they? Yeah, <laughs> no, they the dummies might do a better job. To be fair, like yeah, gobshites. Um, yeah, Liverpool are going into lockdown. We're going to be talking about it throughout the uh, throughout the afternoon. I'm certain of it. Um, yes, uh, right. Okay, we're going to be doing the uh, Liverpool leading the conversation on English football reform. We're going to be doing a bit of a deeper dive on the Reds news roundup show this week. We're going to be talking about a few bits and pieces around that, and obviously the Merseyside derby. Is looming this weekend, so we'll come on to that. Um, yes, join for membership. And I want to give a shout out to Tom Robertson. Uh, welcome to Club Captain. He's just joined. You get access to one bonus show every week. <laughs> what? what are you doing? He's just built his tail over his crotch. Oh, that's incredible. Is it hot? Uh, yeah. No. My crotches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Be very careful, Chris. There's a lot of like. There's a lot of like really overwrought testosterone flying between you two boys this morning. Has to be. 
Is the bin a a spell? It's not the only thing that's been flying over us this morning. Ross's TV and the other. Mm. Anyway, yes, welcome to Tom Robinson. Joins us club captain. He gets the final word show for the Merseyside derby. Uh, And also rewinding the clock to the last really good game that we played was Arsenal as well. Uh, Bonus content for club captain and club legend level tiers and access to the emotes, which you can use in the comments of live shows that we do, just like this one, and the watch along which a game will be doing for the derby this weekend. Uh, Right. Okay then, Chris. Liverpool leading the conversation um, on football reforms. Um, we don't, we're not going to dive into that today, particularly because we're going to do a really, really deep dive into it uh, tomorrow. But I thought it was interesting to kind of, before we get into that conversation, I thought it was really interesting because I saw Rory Smith put a tweet out, and it was uh, which a lot was, of tweets, yes, questioning things like he hadn't actually formed an opinion. It was really, yeah. it was really interesting way of going about it. Sparked some really interesting conversation of just kind of saying like, what are people's thoughts on this, and what do people think of the problems with it? So I thought it was interesting on in a similar vein to let's just strip it all back and let's go from the start and let's look at football as it is today and think about the things that we think are desperately in need of reform in the modern game we'll do I've said roughly three each but let's just do it conversationally what have you got first things first and and maybe you wouldn't necessarily have said this a week ago but maybe a lot of people would agree with this for a long time but certainly after the project big picture stuff for me it's more fan involvement in the direction of football and I think that's what Project Big Big Picture has brought to me, to me and made me think about because it's all well and good. People want an individual ownership over the clubs and stuff like that from fan bases and stuff, but decisions are getting made for thousands and millions of people by what a, f- a handful of businessmen and that's not the right that's not for me the right way to approach things you know and I don't I'm not sitting here telling you I've got an answer for how this works but if I was wanting to start again then fan-led conversation and fan ownership is probably at the forefront of everything that I think football needs mm-hmm. yeah yeah I think Henry Winter um did a bit on that yesterday as well actually he kind of said you know you're gonna ultimately have the glazers in charge of you know he doesn't like them in charge of Manchester United and a lot of people, you know, yeah. my United fans don't. Do you want those people in charge of what is your you know, governing body, You know, the, the, the Premier League and deciding things that, like Chris says, that you won't get a say in? I'm not sure what the, the entirety of the rules are in Germany, but I know they've got the 50 plus one for the clubs, but I'm sure within that, with having a majority stake within a club, you then get a say in you know, the dealings in, in the Bundesliga as well. I think if you lean towards that, you, you do get a, a say in what happens. But even now we're seeing things that are probably out of their hands that we're not getting a say in either. So, like, you know, there was, I think there was an Arsene Wenger thing yesterday, and there was thousands of people inside uh, inside a building, yet we can't go go into a stadium. And when we were asked about it, I could get the R rate and stuff's going up and that. But it's yeah. kind of like, oh, you're kind of forgotten about. We did a bit yesterday on the, on the pay per view stuff. Fans have forgotten about it in that sense as well. So, whichever way you look at it, as Chris says, fans are getting screwed over. There's got to be some, you're right, the better fan representation within football clubs because, particularly, let's use Liverpool as a good example of it, and it's the, the, the one most central to us, of course, and the podcast and, and all that kind of stuff. We, Liverpool markets itself, markets itself really well around fans and fan culture and what have you, and they, they, they did that for a while without it really, and they were kind of trading on the history for ages, and now the fan culture has been reignited in a massive way in the last few years, and Liverpool have embraced that really, really well. Uh, it was actually quite telling, obviously we've just done a three-part special with Peter Moore, the first part up on the on the website now, but obviously he's, he, he really helped to kick that on the last in the last few years as well, But and I don't think that Liverpool as a football club, it's like in business sense, you're never going to give something up. And the problem, of course, when it comes to fan ownership, that, that, that it would be a mess. It would have to be. There would be lots more thought that needs to go into the organisation and structure. Because like I said this all along, it's like we all fan ownership's great, but who wants to be the leading voice? In that, I bet there's tons of people who'd love, and that's why when you had like um, Help Save LFC and Spirit of Shankly being formed under the under, under Hicks and Gillette, there was about there was two or three different groups who all had an idea of we'll take back the club and we'll we'll do this and that. But there's I wonder whether there's definitely there's definitely something in football, and it, that would be if you're looking to smooth things over and changing major governance. If you could give, because at the moment those plans are giving something to the EFL, which is why Rick Parry's on board with it. Yeah, and his future job. Yeah, the yeah. chair of the Premier League. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but, but there's 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 incentives to there's incentives there for various things. But who's all who 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 are the major kickoffs coming from? Yeah, they're coming from various certain clubs and what have you. But largely, it's coming from fans. And it's like if you're gonna if you're gonna stage a coup, then the best thing you could probably do is box off 
the noisiest op- opponents to your plan by giving them giving them something or other. But I, I do think it's a, it's an interesting one. Go on, Ross. What, if you give us a give us a change, um, it's slightly different, but I think something we, we'd all change at the minute is is the way that this a the standard of refereeing and the communication between the referees and the players. It changed anything in football for me. It, it's that. You know, we've seen trials where referees have been kind of mic'd up, but for me, there's just a whole disparity between fans and refs, players and refs. You look at other sports and, you know, rugby, they talk to each other, they answer back. It's, you know, it's a stern stern telling off and you don't do it. Public also, school boys, mate. That's what I yeah, can do, but, public school boys playing a yeah, sport. Yeah, there's also a level of respect that's been brought up throughout the game from yeah. when they were 13 years old or, or playing younger. in public schools. Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah, <laughs> you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. But that level of respect exists in rugby. It mm. doesn't exist. So it's more than just getting good refs. It's changing the culture over a, a uh, period of time. Yeah, and encouraging people to be referees. I look at the standard referee now. Oh, I was, I was by the way. yeah. Well, exactly. If you're 13, 14, why, why would you want to go? And, why, why would you want to be a Premier League referee? Right, you get 150 grand a year, whatever it is, but you get called, a, you know, a twat every two minutes by Jordan Henderson for like giving away the wrong free kick. Do you know what I mean? It's that's not a job you should go in any job. It shouldn't be like that. So why, why should they do it? But there's so much, you know, there's so much protection between them. Or you know, there are examples where I think Ancelotti was trying to talk to the referee after a game, and he's just like, no, go away, go away, and you're like. Just talk to, to him. Do you know what I mean? He wasn't being aggressive. There are situations where that does happen, where a manager or a player is pissed off. But it's just like, it's just the, disregarding. I think it's just completely wrong. One of the things you, you've always kind of mentioned, actually, I think it's you, Paul, is that like they don't have any accountability for the yeah. decisions because they never, they never speak in public about mm-hmm. it. And they need, to do, they need to address that as well, don't they? They need to be able to speak properly on it. There's a fundamental problem with the culture. It comes from this country as much as anything else. And it go, it's actually not... It, referees are it's just people of authority. It's people who tell you you can't do you can't do things, and the problem is again it's it's a it's like a negative spiral because which I don't know you don't know where to stop it. How do you draw a line under something? Because it's like saying think about it. Think about how we think about police. Think about how we think about teachers. Think about how we think about referees, and they're all different things, but they're all people in positions of authority and stuff. And we all we're all taught to like fucking hate them and think they're all bell ends in a variety of ways. And and what happens is is that we treat them that way. And so inevitably you have to be a bell end to want to take the certain positions and be that. Because if you are if you if you have to thrive in those worlds, you actually have to become a bell end to be able to be a thick skinned and develop it. So you end up with a bunch of referees who do become self-important and do become a bit like, you know, kind of a, a, a above the above their role and above their station and that because you're attracting narcissists to roles because you need to have that to be able to survive in them. Whereas you go to Spain uh, you know, like teachers, an example, teachers are absolutely revered. Mm. You know, like my uh, brother-in-law went to teach there for, a, for like a, on a, a training thing for like a month and he was like, the kids all love you. That teacher is like a respected role in the community. Whereas in this world, it's not because it's just people who, who tell you what you who tell you what you can't but, do and that's why it, it goes yeah, all mean, the way up. Listen, this isn't by any way thought through, mm. right? But in the in, in not in the NFL, nearly said it because I always say it. Yeah. In Formula One, they have drivers, stewards, free trace, and one of the drivers, stewards, is always an ex-driver of some description. Not necessarily a Formula One driver, but years and years of being a professional driver. He gives the drivers opinion. So when they're looking at things that go wrong, maybe two people have come together, he can sit there on a board of four people and go, actually, that's just a natural coming together. Now, why don't we have ex-players as referees? Mm. Like, imagine, all right, Example, imagine Steven Gerrard reffing a game and some fucking little young upstar, 20 years old, goes, nah, and he and thinks, fuck off, mate, I've done this for fucking 20 years. I know exactly what this is, and that's a fucking technical foul. You just, yeah, it's not a job that a player would probably want to do. Mm-hmm. But from the experience that they've had, and, and I'm not saying that it necessarily being a player makes you a good referee, but it gives you perspective yeah. on things that you could become a very good referee. They have this in on the Sky Sports News thing where we have like you know Stephen Warlock and that ball bag who used to be a referee, and they're arguing exactly that. But it's too late by then, so they have this ref watch thing, and that's part of the reason why I don't think they do do it because it's making more content for like the Sky Sports News. They can do a whole show on a weekend's referees' decisions. Because well, football, the thing is, footballers now footballers don't want to be anywhere near that. They, and they'll, again, against culturally, it's emba- it'd be embarrassing for a footballer to be a referee because they're the people that you've just given shit to and you've looked down your nose at for the whole time. The money's not in it. It's, it's it, again, there's no respect. Again, it goes back to it. We, we're living a money-driven culture. If you do pay referees 
like Michael Oliver should be on the, as much money as the best football player in the Premier League because he's the best referee in the Premier League and you can't have the best level games in the Premier League without the best referee. There's a reason he's got the Merseyside derby. There's a reason he gets the, all of our big games and all of the big games because he's the most trustworthy. But you you know, you know need to, and again, it's people need to earn the right to have all this, but there has to be a, our entire culture is driven by that. It's driven by who's got the best car and who's got this and that's where respect, particularly in football, football, that's where football gets its respect from, is having, make, you being the, you earning the most, you having the best boots, you having the best sponsorship deals, you having the best this and that. It, it it's was, not fashion, I'm not sure who the fuck's taking the plunge on sponsoring the referees, but... You know, you look, I mean, one of the things I think about, like that F1 thing that I just mentioned, why couldn't you have an ex-footballer sat on the VAR? Yeah. Talking yeah. through those things, talking through the handball decisions. Yeah. I, I, it doesn't have to be a referee, not, exactly. but give perspective on something. Not even that, you're right, because I think not necessarily on the, on the pitch is tough, because let's be honest, you know, if you're the next footballer, you need to be at a physical level anyway, you know, to be able to do this. You've probably got a very short shelf life as a referee after the game, maybe, unless you're talking, looking at, you know, you look at, look at decent footballers, you become youth coaches and stuff might be an answer in that regard, but not no reason why there can't be more involvement at a higher up level. Yeah, I'd not even thought about the I was thinking more on the PGMOL board or whatever it is, have more ex-footballers involved with the overall running and the governance uh, governance of it but again. But it's um definitely yeah, that's it's a it's a big thing, isn't it? Because if football decisions and rule decisions are coming from people who've played the game, I think we can all make our peace with it a little bit more. Whereas they all feel like they're coming from Yeah. A random what bunch are, of school teachers. One of the things that they actually do do in the NFL is they have a centralized referee team in New York. Right, so all the big fucking decisions a couple of years ago were going to New York to be reviewed. So it's the same people making the decisions time and time again, seeing the incidents. Now, what they were hoping for was a more standardized, you know, uh, what's the right word? You know, you look at the rules and the same people are doing it time and time again. So it's more standardized, the outcome. Now, they managed to get, the big thing was, can we get those decisions quickly enough? You actually can nowadays. Like maybe that's something that football should look towards, a standardized team. Because they were worried that, you know, 10 games going on all at the same time, all these decisions coming. Actually didn't really happen that often. You know, they had a couple of teams there that they could do a couple of decisions at once. Why can't you do something like that? You know, rather than reliant on individual people all interpreting the rules in slightly different ways, a more standardized approach would probably work. Yeah, mm-hmm. fuck off John Moss as well. He's the source of the fucking problem. Well, what does he do? He's just a shit referee, isn't he? There's lots of isn't there? Well, this is, again, you're right. It's, the problem is everyone's, again, it's culturally, we're all going to have problems with referees because referees are the people who stand between your happiness and your misery. You know what I, I mean? I, I, the, I, issue, I, the example when we played Spurs, that's, that's what really pissed me off. And he, like, he went to the linesman, what would you say it now? Okay, I'll just give a penalty. Yeah. And that was, that was before VAR. He's got VAR to help him. And he's still, still fucking my, up. My issue... My issue, everyone's got an issue with the wrong decision being made. But what's more infuriating is inconsistencies in the decision making. Yeah. Like, if, if everything was just given as a fucking handball and exactly the same challenges in different games were both given as handball, I could make peace with that. That's how they interpret the rules. I understand that. It's when one's given as handball and one's not. But this is It the, just fucks me off. But this is the thing. And, and that VAR should be sorting that out, but it's not. But again, the point is... again, people in charge you know, of it. But, but there's an accept, there should be an acceptance, of, again, cult- culturally, of its humans doing things without the benefit of the camera angles and all that kind of stuff that we're seeing, which again, VAR is meant to be sorting out. So there needs to be consistency in the VAR, but there's always going to be inconsistency in referees because they're real people running around making decisions at, you know, at, you know, at, in the moment, in the heat of the moment. It's one thing to make a decision. It's another thing to make a decision when you've just ran fucking 70, 80 yeah, yards yeah, yeah. and then you're trying to make the decision whilst also fighting for gasps of fucking breath into your lungs. Let's, you know? let's not forget here as well, one of the things that we were talking about a lot last season that we're not talking about now is how long these decisions are making yeah. and that's because there's no fans in the ground. Yeah. So when fans go back into the ground, if fans ever go back in the fucking ground, yeah. then th- th- these problems are going to come back, I think. You know, it's uh, you know, it's all right now going, yeah, he's gone to the monitor, great. I think that's a really good decision actually to let the referee go over to the monitor in the Premier League. Yeah. But when you're in the ground and you don't know what's going on, yeah. what the fuck? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but there's PMP in the comments there saying we have the worst refs in the world proven by how many are picked for major tournaments and think back to Graham Powell who, who booked the same player three times uh, going back a few going back a few years now uh, and Hex Broom again with Chris there should be at least a former player working with VAR I agree the, the one for me um, the, the, you know moving things on in terms of what we change 
It's the fixture congestion. Liverpool evidenced that perfectly last season. I mean, dear God, if you want to be successful, this country doesn't support its top, its top teams. And, I, and I, I realize there's a danger of like elitism with all this, or we'll see it as elitism. But other European nations support their successful teams better. So, like, you know, in terms of how they organize fixtures, how things are organized around European success. The problem is, of course, is in, when you get when we get European success, they go, hey, great, let's cream off all the success and the eyes on the league that that brings without actually realizing the tolls that it takes on the side that's been able that, that that's gone through doing it like and you go back to what what Jürgen Klopp is saying and and it's I know it's been his big bugbear about the Premier League and what have you is just how much how much footy gets played now it's tough as a consumer of football I love it I, I'm part I mean part of me would look back and watch Liverpool play twice a week every week I'd, I'd watch it 52 weeks of the year just as you know just as a fan because I, I'd rather watch that than pick another box set or do whatever, but there's there's going to have to be an acceptance at some point. I mean, again, look at the look at the fucking look at the state of the league cup. Like it's we talked about this last week, didn't we, Chris? About how there's like that the tacit agreement between top managers that we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna go half strength here because we know you're gonna go half strength. That's never gonna get better. The only way to f- you go one way or the other, and we've said this about the and the FA Cup's just going to go down the same route as well. Eventually, is you either double down on the FA Cup and say right, FA winner of the FA Cup gets a Champions League place, and then everyone goes, ooh, okay, well there we go, you've revitalised the competition because now there's a major incentive. That will to happen take with to. Project Big Picture, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, again, <laughs> too many teams could possibly get in the Champions League. Yeah, but the point, but it's that thing of then, yeah, on the League Cup, there's no nothing is ever going to recover the League Cup. Ever, and again at the moment it's just it's 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 on it's on its way to be it's going to be more like the EFL Trophy than the FA Cup than the champion than the Champions League. The too many games thing needs badly needs sort on in, in in footy, and we'll and nothing I think is going to make that clearer than by the end of the season when half the fucking squads are like are running to the ground or suffering mass injuries or whatever. No, I, I agree with that, but but I'm not in favour of it for the European Super League. You know, or or something else. You know, if, don't get rid of games to put more the same amount of games back on top. Exactly, that's what you can't do. Just because you're going to make a little bit more money off the back of it, and that, and then again, this is into if some buts and big picture which will leave and stuff like that. But I fundamentally agree with all of that. You shouldn't be playing these games that are pretty much worthless at this point for a club of Liverpool stature. That being said, they're not worthless to a lot of clubs, but it all, they're also they're also because of everything else that goes on in the in the fixture list the other clubs can't get to the finals of these anyway because they just don't have a big enough squad so they're not really got a chance to win these competitions very often um, it just it just ends up being the team with the biggest squad end up winning it for me you know I, I don't know about you Rash but you know one of the things that I want is the cost of going the game needs sorting out and it's a great start away fans but we're forgetting about fucking half the fixtures here mm-hmm. you know and, and it's always 20s plenty and I agree with that but like 50, 60 quid for a fucking ticket, scandalous 18 times a year mm-hmm. um, for home games as well. You know, and the cost of away travel and all that type of stuff and the TV scheduling around these games. And, and that's why I think you need a fan voice. It's because playing on a Monday <laughs> night down at fucking Bournemouth or Bournemouth playing up here on a Monday night, it's just, these. this is something okay. that badly needs yeah, to Again, this out. is the thing. It's not, it's not our place to sort out how these things get sorted. We're just creating a dream list of if we could fix football, what is what we consider to be wrong with football? Not enough fan voices in association with football, the running of football clubs, the, the standard of, of officiating, too many football games ruining the overall quality of the football that we're watching. And that's different, you know, people might say different levels and it's, it's a very, the, the too many fixtures thing is a very intangible thing to, to, to judge because we've never really seen what truly elite football can look like because... Because everyone's playing twice a week, and we're just used to the used to the standard of it, and what have you. And then, yeah, you know, you add in uh, add in those other bits and pieces. It's but also getting youngsters into the ground. Yeah, and, and, and that- youngsters, locals, whatever you want to think, more needs to be done for that because they're going to be the lifeblood of supporters for the next 20, 30 years. If you can't get you and your kid into the ground. What like how are they going to become a fan in the same way that we were able to? This is again, you're right. I, you're right. You're right in that. And there's a, there's a the danger with the danger with the conversation on this. And I want to make sure we caveat all of this, but it's it's dead right. Is that pe- people are growing up within the city region? 
Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. You know, shouldn't it shouldn't it should be easier for people growing up within the city region of a football ground and their football team to be able to go to those games than people further afield, and that's that's not because there's any problem with people supporting football clubs from further afield, but but it is that thing of you, you, it's your local football team. There should be it. There should it should be easier to have those local lads because we all had it. We all grew up with it. I, I was saying this the other week, being able to go down to a league cup game in the midweek, like it was still always tough. You, you couldn't really do it for league games. But League Cup games, you could go and pay on the door and you could go and get in. And that was great. And that was my earliest experiences of going with my mates as a as a teenager, of being able to just go and check out the Liverpool game without having to go through a ticket ordering process, without needing a credit card and without needing an account to log in and do all the, go through those products. I wouldn't even know. And I'm we're fortunate because of having season tickets and what have you. I wouldn't even know the, where to begin and how to do that. If I was 13 years old, how would I ever be able to possibly get in that. That's something that fundamentally needs sorting. Um but it's a pro- but the thing is of course it's a differing problem. It's not a it's not a uniform problem across all of football. It's a football pro- it's a problem that becomes more prevalent the bigger the the, the bigger the club gets. It's it's interesting because compare it to the German league again and what, what they do. Like how is it that a, you know I think it's it's a cheaper day out to fly to Germany or it was when you could go to go and watch Bayern Munich. Watch two Bayern Munich games than it was to go and try get a Gormish Liverpool game in, in the Premier League. It's like this literally around the corner. So why, how can they they can have that model at that price? Talk about tickets. If you get a train ticket, like that's covered within within your, your match ticket as well to go to go away. So what you save yourself 50, 60 quid there. It's it's just a sad state of affairs and it's, it feels like it's all these governing bodies are kind of ganging up on on the little man. And yeah, I'd do yeah. fucking anything for it to be back. Well, <laughs> <laughs> literally do anything for it to go to an away that, game that, again. That's because that's you're used to it. Yeah, it doesn't no. mean that it doesn't mean that it's, that it's no, right or, no, or no, that it's okay. And over again, it's all a closed shop, isn't it? And that, that's the, again, it, it's the it's because the Premier League is the richest league, you know, in in the world, and it, that's a measure of success for them. And there's no wonder why these things are happening. You know, why the, why the top clubs are looking to make sure it all gets ring fenced and gets fucking set as much as possible because again we, we use the Bundesliga as our shining example but the Bundesliga is crap <laughs> like it's crap it's fine I mean like I mean not to not to brush stroke generalise the football but, might be but the fan experience isn't no no exactly no no yeah, 100% but that is but which which comes first like it, it's because there isn't the money there isn't the same money and level of interest and all that kind of stuff in the Premier League uh, sorry, in the Bundesliga, so you can make you can be a bit more liberal with your changes and your rulings and all that kind of stuff. The Premier League is just a greedy, greedy organization designed to eke every single horrible penny out of the out of the users that 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 are associated with it in any way, shape, or form. Like if they'll just look around and go, okay, well, all tickets cost a tenner. They won't be looking at what that means and what that means to the lifeblood of the game. They'll be looking at the six month, the twelve month, maybe the twenty four month projections and going, "What well, is how much money it's going to lose us?" And everyone and 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 it's so it's and, and again it's all it's a, whatever the opposite of a virtuous cycle is. It's it all has a knock on effect because the the, the biggest wages get paid in the Premier League. The biggest well, transfer fees get paid. Doesn't necessarily mean it's the best league in the world because of that. 
No, I mean, right now, Bayern Munich are the best side in Europe. Yeah. They're the European champions, and they've done it with that model behind them. So, you know, I, I don't know. It's it's difficult for me. I, I used to enjoy the Bundesliga a few years ago, but having watched it in lockdown conditions for the first time in probably a couple of years, I'd, I'd tend to agree, it's shit. But it's, then all, all football's yeah. fucking shit yeah, in lockdown exciting, under those conditions. You know what I mean? So, exciting. There's loads of really interesting and exciting teams, but the Bayern Munich model is they are the richest team in their league by a fucking country yeah. mile. And again, that's the, 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 the league model is, is, is likeable in so many ways. But if we copied that model, Man United would be the biggest team. Man United would win the European Cup more often than not. And they'd win the league more often than not. And we might every now and again pop up and have a little bit here. No one else would really be able to break that dominance Absolutely. but again the, but the Premier yeah, but the Premier League is all so hinged on everything it's all just this massive creaky fucking machine where money's propping up so many different elements of it that if you pull the money out of one something else it would have to take it would take it's going to take a fucking again a clean sweep of the board and a reimagining of it all to stop it being that which is probably why some some of these things happen. Why there's some good things that have come, from, you know, some good ideas in the in the melting pot. But it's it's fucking mad because there's no way that they're going to agree. A, a club or ever are going to agree, or a host of clubs are going to agree to losing a chunk of money, are they? Without without finding a way to bring it back, it's a fucking nightmare. But there's tons, isn't there? I mean, we can let's let's do a, a couple of quick ones, and the obvious one, of course, is 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 support of grassroots football and for me it goes back to the same as having young fans in the ground there's got to be a viable there's got to be viable alternatives to if you you know there's got to be other types of football there's got to be other clubs that can be supported I don't know how you do that I don't know that it's the Premier League's responsibility to to do that but it'd be in their best interest too yeah I guess yeah you know um but and having, they like to do things that are in their best interest yeah having more people being able to play football on bet in better conditions because again I go back to now football conditions have improved immeasurably it's in, in the what, 16 17 16 years since I used to play local Sunday league Saturday league football where it was for three quarters of the season the pitches you know you would never play a professional standard on the pitches that we played on you couldn't kick the ball it was it was a puddle from a, a foot behind the goal line to the penalty spot then you had a foot of mud, solid mud, and then it was a puddle from there until about the, the centre circle. Then the centre circle was a mud bog, and then repeat in the other half. It was fucking unplayable. At least now you've got slightly better quality of pitches, but that's the thing about it across the board, is the football, if we want to be the best in the world, in this country at football, then somebody needs to fund Every the the really lower levels being able to make sure the kids have got good pitches to play on, make sure that there's good quality of officials, good quality of coaches all the way up. Because again, copying the span, you know, going back to the Spanish model from a decade or so ago, fifteen years ago, and similarly with Germany, they went and fixed that, and it it's it's not a quick fix. So it's very hard to sell that to money driven people. Well, the the, but, the 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 problem is that the Premier League clubs have already got their solution to this, and that's academies. Yeah. So why would they then support grassroots football? Yeah. Because they're supporting academies down to whatever under sixes, under sevens. They've already de determined that this is something that was going to be a problem. Mm -hmm. This shouldn't have been on the football clubs because they've already come up with a solution. What the what the solution should have been is the government should have been putting this infrastructure in place because football brings in a lot of money to the government mm -hmm. over the course of the 90 odd clubs and oh, I don't even remember how, I don't even 92. know how many there are now is there still 92 I think it's gone back up to 92 right yeah. so and that's the point isn't it you know they're bringing in money each and every week to the government and each and every year through corporation tax and everything else the government should be funding this they should be funding projects that get kids out and about and learning and getting fitter and all that type of stuff so that's where the problem is it's that the government has underfunded this and a whole host of other things that, for, for years and years and years yeah I think it's not about the standard of like you know looking forward to international football and what we should be doing it's about inc inclusive for me and you know what you just said there you know there's probably thousands millions of kids sat at home that have got nowhere to go and play football yeah. that won't, won't play on, on the pitches that we used to go and play on because there's not enough people to go and do there they won't go to an academy because they think oh, it isn't good enough or yeah. the parents can't afford it they can't go and do this like if we go and play five aside yeah. or when we used to when we could play like it's like what seven pound each a week like, that's fine to us yeah. or working but like like 
how many people? It wasn't, by the way. I fucking hated <laughs> playing seven quid for yeah, a fucking hour. Well, that's fucking hell. But you can go and play for free on a shit pitch for us. Yeah, loads of people can't afford that. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a great. I, I was reading a, a, a comic the other day, and it was a great analogy. Which I'm going to absolutely butcher, but it was it was talking about like the the percentage of people who are let's say geniuses. So, like for example, I think it's like two point two percent of the entire global population are are have an IQ level that would rate them as a genius. Um, and what happened? And then the, the point that was made in the comic was about like illegal immigrants who can't document themselves in certain countries, and there might be hundreds of thousands of them. So within, you know, even if it's only one or two isolated cases, they'll never be able to fill their potential because they're undocumented, which means they can't get proper jobs, which means they can't do that, which means you're losing out on Einsteins and Pele's and fucking this kind of stuff because of this. And this goes back to the grassroots stuff. Academies are great, but the think about the players in the past who come up through. The Sunday League. I'll think about Yerian Wright as an example, who went, who came up the hard way, didn't make it to Crystal Palace till he was in his well, he was well in his twenties. You lo- you're potentially losing out on a lot of world beaters because clubs have just gone right. There's our academies. We've scooped all ours in sand, and everyone else is left with well, what you know, wh- where else you're going to play? You've got a bunch of shit pitches, and you might just not. You know what I mean? Either the, the, it's cost prohibitive or the facilities are so shit that someone might not ever, you know, or might just not take to it no, or, or there whatever. there won't even be any fucking teams for them to play in. Exactly. You know, and I, yeah, exactly. Because, yeah, if, if the, all the money dries up, where, where do you go? All these lower levels, and particularly the, the lower tier football clubs who are going to struggle, particularly, you know, uh, particularly in the pandemic. Um, yeah, you're going to lose roots. And, and, and again, it, it's, it's immeasurable. We'll never know. Unless it's funded, but you're right. That's the problem. Is it on football clubs to fund it? Because if I was, if, from a business perspective, Liverpool go, okay, well, we're going to fund every single pitch on Merseyside. We're going to every single patch of grass that you can play footy on. We're going to build up to world class standards. And what happens, you know, if the, you, you Everton are just as likely to pick players up from those pitches as Liverpool are, or Manchester United, or or whatever, whatever. So, you know, a pure cold-hearted businessman wouldn't see the fucking see the point in doing that. But somebody needs somebody needs to do it because again, if we want world class, if we if we love football that much, we want it to be the best. Then it does need fundamentally sorting because again, think about who's falling uh, falling between the gaps. Um, we've had some comments come in while we've been doing this. Um, actually, a good, good question here from Paul C. Um, saying would the league cup without top six slash top ten work? And look, it would, but it would be. It, I think it fills my point, Chris. Of it just makes it an, a slightly better version of the EFL trophy because who's asked? Well, I think a lot of clubs would like to win a trophy. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of clubs that exist to just exist at this point in time. So maybe they'd like the opportunity. And, you know, what I would say is there's a potential for clubs to opt in and opt out of competitions. And maybe that's a halfway grant. I, I don't know who asked the question or something, but, you know, maybe. And I, I've always said this for years. I think you should name a squad for that competition. Mm-hmm. And then that way, Liverpool would say, I'm going to play this 25 youngsters all the way through to the final come yeah. hell or high water. I think that's better for the development of players than going, we'll play the youngsters oh we got through we'll play the youngsters oh we got through it's the semi see you later thanks very much for your time youngsters go back around to Kirby whatever mm-hmm. I think there's a there's a, that then a lot more teams would opt in your Manchester City your Liverpool's but they'd opt in with a squad of players that they've committed to that they can test themselves against good yeah. sides West Ham's Everton's all these other clubs and, and teams from the championship who get to put their first team out who are clearly trying to take that competition seriously the, and have an actual chance of winning the competition the problem with that without the top six and this is what and this is why and again just to clarify we're, we're going to be talking about the, um, the, the, the all of the, the proposals we'll have you tomorrow on the on the redmentv.com on the Red News Roundup so we don't want to go too heavy into it, but the point is, is that if you take the top six out of everything, is that one available to members on YouTube? No, um, but no one will give a no one will give a fuck about that competition anymore. And I don't say no one because you still got a ton of other football clubs who were in there who were, invo- who were involved with it all. But it's and, and the interest and the money is generated by the big clubs. You know, people tune in to watch Liverpool, they tune in to watch Manchester United, City, Arsenal, Chelsea, etc. If you take them out of that competition, sponsorships will fucking... No, sponsors won't want to do it because there won't be as many eyes on the product. The level of interest, you know, television views will fall through the through the floor on it. Ticket sales across the competition will will fall as a result because, again, there's no more... You might, you, you know, you, you draw... You might be MK Dons and you draw Liverpool. Well, there you go. There's your sellout guaranteed. We get MK Dons and you draw Norwich instead. 
these are the, these these the league. I I, I say I, I, this is not. There's no recoverable way of of fixing the league cup, Ross, unless they give it. They try to add prestige to it. It's just another. It's cutting away. Of it's it. already a shit competition. I think if you take the best six teams out of it, it might lose the shine for it for certain teams. So again, when you go back into into stadiums like say Luton at Anfield, well, great, that's a fucking massive payday for them. It's you know it's good day out. It's a day to remember for, for their for their players. My, I would say if you're in the top six or you're in Europe, just fuck it off. Like you're not in it. Fix the congestion we were talking about before. You don't have that problem. It's the it's the incentive of either a Champions League we were talking about before or the monetary value in it. The monetary value is not in there, which is why most people are in competitions. Champions League, okay, you play the best teams and whatever else, but like the money that you get from that, from a business point of view, is is just unreal. That's why people want to be in that competition. What, That's what, why teams pref- preference the Premier League over the Europa League when they're in the Europa yeah. League because okay, you win it and it's great to win it, but. You put you put your second string team out up until like the league up in it until the semi finals when yeah. you've got you and that, the may, that maybe does change with the Champions League spot as well. Yeah. I think that has made it a little bit better the Europa League because mm-hmm. of having a Champions League spot at the end of the rainbow, as it were. But go on, what yeah, you're but I was going to say you're like a, a Burnley or someone like that, and you've gone like oh in the FL Cup, like you've got a good chance of winning it. United, Liverpool, City, Arsenal, they're not in it. Okay, like, you know we can win a trophy as you said before. I think you like that, but it takes a shine off it. Well, who have you beaten to get there? It's like Manchester City's run. So that's when no one cared about that. Who have you beaten? Okay, you've beaten, beaten Burton Albion. No one cares. Yeah. You know, I said it's already shit, so. Yeah, it is. It's, there's plenty of things. And yeah, we, we're never going to be able to cover them all again. It's telling that oh, that was meant to be like a 15 minute conversation and we could have done it. We could do hours on everything that's wrong with footy. It's good to have a nice bitch in it. Like, um, Right. Uh, right. We're going to talk about the Merseyside derby then in a moment. But I just want to remind everyone that uh, Ross and I have a brand new book and it is available right now. In fact, let's go there. Um, yeah, it's available for sale. There are a very, very, very uh, limited amount ouch, uh, of special editions with come with a, with a sticker pack as well and the sign. And you get a, a message that we will write in there for. You of your choice, um, there's a, there's there's not is there like twenty maybe less than that. Less than that. Uh, yes, yeah, so if you want them, you can do. The normal edition is available, which is posting worldwide as well. So get involved with it. It's um it's different, different to most other books. In fact, the only book it's similar to is the one we did last year, uh, where it looks a lot of like the the mad reactions and overreactions and and, and bitter reactions to people uh, as Liverpool went on to become the champions of everything last year. So you can get involved. It's good there's one. a good chance if you said something fucking stupid, you're in it. <laughs> Just, just a warning. Um, right, okay. Let's get on to the the derby then, Chris. And um, I, I've not really been given. I've not really given too much thought. It's like, oh, the derby's coming, and, and I haven't really given the derby loads of thought for a, for a long time, to be honest. Um, because it's just a, it's a good, it's good fun. Generally speaking, uh, the Merseyside derby is not meant to be good fun. It's meant to be absolutely horrendous. Um, and I feel like this is probably going to be the most horrendous derby there's been in a long while because we're just about to, we're going into tier three regional lockdown in the city and 50% of this city is has the potential to be absolutely devastatingly heartbroken by the end of the weekend. It's not probably what the Liverpool City region no. needs right now. No, probably not. And I think it's just... It's just going to be very strange seeing the videos from the pubs of everyone sitting down with a roast dinner watching the fucking derby. You know what I mean? I mean, what the fuck's that about? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just stray bits of like ham flying across the room, <laughs> slapping people in the face. Yeah, yeah, great. Flying COVID ham. Uh, all crazy, isn't yeah. it? Just fucking yeah. We need to go to the pub. Well, well, well you know, yeah. Gives a fucking roast dinner. Like, um, it's going to be fucking bizarre to be honest with you. And and I've not really given too much thought someone was asking me about it this morning like how you feeling about the derby and stuff like that and I was like I never really feel nervous for Liverpool games until the day of the game yeah. lollipop man no it mm. wasn't actually just said hello this morning the queue was moving pretty quick though we didn't get time to you know get within two metres of each other to say hello properly Um and, and yeah, so for me, I'll get nervous on the day of the game and I'll probably be a lot more nervous this time than any other time we've played Everton in the last 10 years because they look like a fucking good side at the moment, and which is really weird to say. It's mad, like, how many random snippy, snappy conversations I've had with Evertonians over the last couple of weeks that I've, n- I've never had interactions with. We were tr- the, the postman turned up to the office the day and he was like, all of these fellas in the office, all these Evertonians, who suddenly me best mate, haven't spoken to me in years, and all of a sudden all the conversations come out. And uh, There's a lot more football fans in the city than you realise. Yeah, honestly, like it's mad. I'm seeing lots more Everton masks around the place and what have you. Normally the masks are just stony faces of misery, uh, as it is. You know, they're happy to wear the Everton badge with pride at the minute. But what I'm getting, and, and, and why they... they 
I can't live in the world where they win is because they're going to be fucking unbearable. We've been unbearable for winning things. They've won fucking nothing. They haven't even won a derby in that long. Like, your brother, I, I saw your brother for two minutes in the week. And He's got he, this horrible grin on his face all the time. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah, What'd yeah. What'd you be like that? Honestly, smuggler but he, he, bastard. He, he, he dropped in, like, he shoehorned in in the most awkward fashion some form of reference to the league table or something. And, and like, it, it, me, me father-in-law's done the same to me lately. I don't get it. Like, because no. it doesn't flow with the conversation. They're just so desperate to jam it in somewhere that they've forgotten how to have the natural course of banter. So they're just, like, throwing jabs. And it's like, I'm talking about one thing, and all of a sudden, it's like... They're not I'm, used to it, though, Paul. No, no, no. no, 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 no. But if they win, dear God, I can't have that. Can't have that world. They, they, they're they're coming before sex at the moment. That's what that, that's what their banter is like, you know yeah. what I mean? I, I, get, I, got, I, walked, I walked up, it was, it, was, it, was, it was my brother's daughter's birthday last week so I went and stood outside and said happy birthday and before I'd even got like up the fucking path he's like it's been like seven days since you've been here and I was like nah it's been about two weeks mate and he's like oh two I'm like seven two great oh, fucking God. this is pathetic yeah this is yeah, pathetic yeah yeah I know yeah, like we haven't we haven't we, we, we've lost we're good oh my god what what <laughs> What a trabapoline! Tri- like, what do we, what do we do? <laughs> they, 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 they're probably struggling because they're not used to it. But they also probably know that it probably won't last. So they need to take it. Like, yeah, I don't they, they do. It's, to it's, be fair, it's four, four games in. Like, and we said this as well. Like, like, I would say I made up for them, but like, you know, obviously Baz and Ped and stuff. Like, the amount of times they come in here, it's like, oh, we're getting fucking relegated, and you've got to go out and talk to people about football and the football team being shit. Like, it's good that they're quite happy, but also like, it's, it's four games in. Do you know what I mean? Well, calm, just, calm, calm down. <laughs> I'm just glad that it doesn't look like I'm going to come into Ped and Baz hanging themselves in the other room. Like, that that was my worry for them. Because, yeah, I mean, no they were getting to the point where I think they were starting to buy, like, fucking rope and all kinds of stuff before Ancelotti came into just the football club. No, again, I've said this in, 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 in many ways. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for Everton to be back and competitive. I am, and it sounds daft because I, you feel it. You feel the weight of it around the city and the feel that the, the anger and half of the population are having their week ruined more often than not. Does they it were looking forward to work on Mondays. Yeah, exactly. And they weren't looking yeah. forward but to the weekends. No, but it brings us down by proxy, um, you know, because you come in, it's, it's like you walk in and you're in the best mood ever. And if you walk into a room and the other person in that room is, is in a cunt of a mood, then it's ne- no matter how good your mood is, it's going to be undercut by having that. So I don't mind that, but the Merseyside Derby, nah. <laughs> it's like, it, just nah. It refreshes things as well, because I think it got to the point where, you know, what was it, Sam I said that they, they won the second half in one of the games or something fucking stupid. Mm. But when we beat them with the kids, it got to a point where, like, we couldn't say anything, because what's the point? You don't need to. Yeah. We, you know, you, we lose that banter ourselves. To go, I don't need to say anything, because they're already pissed off. There's no more depth to plumb. Yeah. And, like, the only other one now is that Everton are really good. Like, it's brilliant. And we beat them. That's what we've got. That's, that's another stage. That's great. But you're right. There was no funnier ways for us to beat them because we'd beaten them with, with you know, little dinosaur arms and Divock Origi in the last minute. We'd beaten them with so many, we beat with them with like last minute goals, Sadio Mane, you know, and then you beat them with the Divock Origi one. And then you beat, beat them, them with, the kids, we, well, you beat them with, we beat them with a B team in December and battered them. And then we put out the children, the, we sent our children into battle and local lads, Kurt Jones turns up and pings a, a worldie in the top bin. There was nothing more. Like we had Pedro Kiravet in the midfield for that game. Like, you know what I mean? The only thing that can possibly happen that, do, that does better than that is Adrian scores a last minute winner yeah. with a fucking hoof up the field and it bounces over little arms. That's yeah. the only way yeah. we can improve on what yeah. we've already it, done. It, exactly. And it yeah. still gets stick. And even then, <laughs> and even then, it's still, and this would I mean, it's like, What's the, we need a new chapter of all this because them being crap and us being dead good, it's not... story's got a bit stale. Yeah, it, I mean, it's still funny and I still enjoy it. I still enjoy beating Everton in the Derby course of the When we still talk about them, there are rivals, there are local rivals, our mates, our family, a blues. It, it, I, I, you know, it's the biggest... It's still Man United is the biggest football game for me because I enjoy those games because I fucking hate Manchester United and it's normally a yardstick of success. Um, but the Everton stuff ma- it matters on a, on a far more on a local level. But it, it's right. I was trying to explain this to Sadie the other day. Like we grew up in you know in the nineties when we couldn't we couldn't win a derby for love nor money, and we were always better than them in, in the league. We always finish above Everton, but we just couldn't win a derby. 
Um, so when we did win a derby, it was just amazing. And they're going to win a derby at, at some point. But this is the thing where we're at now is that I'm glad there's a, at least it puts a little bit more on it. Because this might this might be the one that kind of changes all that what we've just been talking about. Because this is the best that they've been for a very long time. The best manager yeah. that they might have ever ever had. Yeah, he's, he's like, better than Kendall. Yeah. yeah. I know, I know. I know. They're kind of still in transition. Like they want to improve the defense. Probably another attacker, and obviously a better goalkeeper. But they've got their hopes up for this one. They're their top of the league. I think they're only a team that's won four, 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 four in four even. So they're thinking, oh, we can do this. Calvert Lewin's turned into prime Ronaldo. He's even bagging for England as well. So they, this is their best chance to kind of win a derby in God knows how long it's been. Mm-hmm. If we beat that. When they might, when's the point where they go? Oh, when, when when can they beat us? Yeah, no, exactly. And and look, the thing is, Everton can go on and win it. You know, uh, they can go and take points off our, our our rivals. Great. And I and I genuinely said this before, and it might sound weird to some. I would rather Everton finish above. I think all those are the non-rivals of ours. I might get tired of this in due course, but I wouldn't mind a little bit of a sea change in the league in, in this regard. I'm happy for them to finish above United and Arsenal and Spurs because I'd rather success come to the, against the city of Liverpool, the region, have a bit more success. Because why would I? I don't want... Yeah, it's more money for the city. If Liverpool, if Everton can get back into Europe and Everton can be, you know, not as successful as us, again, just to clarify, I'm happy for them to be the second best team in England, provided we're the best team in England. And I've said that for my entire my entire life. I've never really experienced it because I was too young to realize, to, to know it from the 80s. Um, but I'd rather them be better, be good. I, I, Give a fuck about Tottenham. Who does it with Tottenham? You know what I mean? Like all these, and who are all these other other upstart clubs? I quite like. There's a little perverse part of me that kind of wants Evan to be okay, but just not from. You know what we the should weekend. do. Send Shakiri on just to cough on them and rub his balls on them and unnerve them. Him and Nabby, yeah, Nabby yeah, yeah. unsubstantiated reports so far that Nabby's got COVID as well. Great. Um, right, we've got a couple of comments to wrap us up. Uh, Ashley Fitton, oh, ordered my book yesterday. Well done. Posted well it this done. morning. Did yeah? Uh, actually, it's one on the desk upstairs. I posted today. Excellent, brilliant. Um, uh, Chinmay Joshi uh, says, "Guys, you're awesome. Lots of love from India. Thanks very much. Lots of love from Liverpool." Uh, and Scott Hawks is twenty five US dollars. Scott, awesome. wonderful, yeah. wonderful human being. Uh, I look forward to Everton's twenty twenty one DVD review the season before the international break. Uh, they're a good side, but I think we're going to react big time. Yeah, I, 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 that's my hope with all this. Is that I. It puts Liverpool into a very, very uncomfortable position if we don't win, um, and it puts them into a wonderful position. I would, I would kind of, yeah. If we'd not been hammered by Villa, I'd probably not be as sure about how we would react to this. But it's going to be very interesting. I think we're going to react big time. Yeah, I think we're going to react big time. Yeah, I agree. Um, I hope so. Anyway, uh, right, guys, thank you for watching and for listening to the podcast. Uh, don't forget to join up as a YouTube member as well. And I just want to draw everyone's attention um, to a couple of things. We've got a three-part uh, Peter Moore in conversation with special uh, episode one is available right now on the RedmenTV.com. Episode two is coming out this Friday, and the third part will be the week after that. There's a three-part documentary series on last season. There was a two-part documentary series on five years of Jurgen. And because we love you guys, and because we need to make sure uh, that you know we do put some of the cool stuff on YouTube as well periodically, episode one of that is available right now for free on YouTube. Uh, we're going to throw the trailer up in a second, but guys, thank you. Okay. Uh, it's been very pleasurable. Thank you for watching, and we'll see you all very soon. Ta-da. <laughs>